Good afternoon. How are we doing? It feels like a big break, that, for me. I was last on on Friday. Then we had the bank holiday. No, I wasn't, was I? That was last on Thursday. Then we had the big bank holiday. Then I had um, the First Steps gang covering their usual Tuesday slot. So it's pretty much a week off. So you've all had a rest from me. I'm, I've been dying to talk to you all, as you know. Um, obsessed with that. Um, and fortunately, I jumped back into a show that I've been really looking forward to for a while. It's Wellbeing Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month. And so my friend and colleague, Joe Turner, the host of the You Matter podcast, the exuberant director of MeHab, and now MeHub. Oh, classic. I'm going off. Forgot I got that in my office. One sec. Let's not answer that on air. That'd be that'd be unfair, wouldn't it? Um, so yes, Joe's joining to talk about imposter syndrome. Uh, that's something that's going to come up a lot recently, and so I'm really keen to to discuss that with her. Um, I'll tell you what I will do because that phone might ring again. It being on my desk, not a good idea. I will hopefully in a couple of clicks bring in my co-host for today, Joe Turner. Joe, can you hear me? All right. Yeah, fine. Oh, I don't like you being that side of the screen. Let's change that over. That's better. I feel I don't want that too much change all at once. Um, could you tell the audience a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today? Imposter syndrome, as I go and hide this phone before so it doesn't interrupt us again. <laughs> yeah, right. sure. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is um, a phrase that uh, I think I've been aware of a little bit since school days, actually. But since I've been a health professional, I've been uh, much more aware of it personally, had lots of conversations about it. And certainly when I'm coaching health professionals, it's something that other people bring up. So I, I think it is a phrase that's probably more and more in the vocabulary of health professionals. I, I don't necessarily have to bring it up as a subject. It seems to be something people are quite aware of. Um, Jack, do you want me to just explain a little bit about uh, the the traits of imposter syndrome just in case people are less familiar with it that'd be a helpful start yeah i think so also um the, the context of this is such that you might sorry if you've just mentioned this but um you did a podcast recently uh on this for you matter which is the next one that's out isn't it yeah um out on sunday and it's something that is therefore i think sometimes thrown around a little bit but people don't necessarily know those details um, so, yeah, I definitely want to jump into that, but also uh, just to let people know that this will be an intro to a wider conversation about such topics later on in the week through UMATA. So, yeah, do go on, Joe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a, a whole hour podcast with a friend of mine, Margaret Collins, who's a real expert on this subject. And to be honest, Margaret's helped me um, bring a little more specificity into the definition. So imposter syndrome isn't a medically diagnosable condition. It's a syndrome, if you like, and a set of feelings which you may be aware of to a greater or lesser extent, um, depending on your, your personality makeup, your experience, um, maybe just the conversations you have around, around work and the way you feel about it. But common traits that Margaret has educated me to are the sort of generalized feeling of not feeling good enough, but specifically this sense that you're just waiting for the moment where you get found out. So someone exposes your lack of medical knowledge or your lack of tech skill or something, that, that sense that you're, you're getting by, but you're just bluffing it. And there will be a moment where someone finds that out and exposes it. Um, flip side of that is if you do have success, then possibly you struggle to own it. 
and you would tend to attribute your success either to other people you know you might say i had this great mentor or this coach that um just told me this stuff and that's how i that's how i achieved what i achieved or you might attribute things to luck so you might say well you know i was just in the right place at the right time rather than acknowledging that actually you'd probably put an awful lot of preparation into making sure that when an opportunity came along you were ready to grab it so yes there's luck in the the fact that the opportunity comes but you tend to underplay the fact that you massively prepared yourself to be ready to take that opportunity and then the, uh, two other things that margaret talks about one of them i find really interesting and she says this is perhaps more common in women that it's almost um a shame trigger to admit that you work hard on things so you're supposed to be amazing you're supposed to be brilliant and the subtext is that you're supposed to make it look really easy and not tell people about all that preparation and that hard work that you put in and one flip side of that which margaret highlights is that for that reason you're probably not very likely to talk about imposter syndrome because that would imply that you're working hard to um, to make sure that you're always perfect and that everything is fine. And so you think you're the only one feeling like this and it's kind of a, a repeating cycle. And then the final thing, which probably ties in a little bit to dis current discussions around equality and um, discrimination and equal opportunities, is she says that people often feel other. So they don't feel that they quite fit into the community or the work environment. And that breeds a sense of who am I to do this? Because people like me don't achieve X. People like me don't belong in this particular work environment. People like me don't rise to these positions. And I find that quite interesting in the, in the current climate. So really it's those parameters that Margaret um, defines as traits of imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, it's really interesting and certainly something that, like you like you mentioned, that identity piece that we've discussed together on this show and beyond uh, is important to that. I suppose I want to just invite the audience to, to get stuck into this. Is that something that you recognise? Have you heard of imposter syndrome? Is it something you feel you suffer with? Is, is If you do, is that very context specific as to what it is you're doing or is that something that you just naturally live with? You're constantly in that sense. Um, you know, you were always feeling like uh, you're on the cusp of being found out. Um, I've never really thought of it as literally as that with regards to what it is that you're suggesting that you're an imposter of. Um, although it's something that so I think I recognise, I recognise in myself. For me, it's certainly more context specific. You know, it's something that I feel at a moment's notice, including 30 seconds notice today, Joe, I swan in, checking the text, not turn the microphone on and we go live. That to me speaks to a lack of imposter syndrome and the fact that I will shoot the shit about anything on this subject matter really, and, and not necessarily mine. But I think some of that has come from some training as to realizing that, that there is a, a sort of underlying self-confidence as to the subject matter. Whereas if I was coming on today and a moment's notice, it was right, particle physics, then potentially that's where uh, it's an issue. One of the questions I have really is, I think that seems to me, I just realized it's not a question, it's a comment that I want to see your opinion on. It gets mixed in a little bit with regards to the genuine imposter syndrome as you described it, whereby people feel like they've got an you know, unjustified sense that they don't really deserve to give their opinion in this direction. 
However, there's also that gets sort of lumped in with this notion of very genuine sense of humility and good fortune. Like, it, like there is something to be said for recognizing that we are not necessarily always true arbiters of our fortune, and that you know the sense of self and free will being somewhat of an illusion in the fact that we don't always direct exactly the nth degree of our own destiny, and that sense of understanding that fortune means that really that's not to me as accurate as description of imposter syndrome as the bit that you've just described or do you think that actually i'm overplaying that and that's part of mine <laughs> just describe that last bit a bit in a bit more detail um jack sorry the, the sound isn't brilliant so it's quite quiet but when you were talking about um not being in control of your own destiny just explain that to me a bit more so for me, um, and this is where I'm just be projecting my opinion, but as far as I, as far as my reading is in terms of uh, the, the way that the world works is such that um, I don't necessarily, I think that there is many things outside of our control Then we are in, whilst not complete perpetual free motion, there is a sense that we have not got a libertarian sense of free will. We are not necessarily dictating on a moment-to-moment -moment basis what's going to happen. There are lots of inevitable things that are occurring to us in such a way that recognising that and then recognising that your opportunity to enact any change is somewhat constrained by those forces is, to me, just an enlightened sense of understanding the way the, of the world. And there can come some, some contentment that comes from that. But it's just that that for me is, is slightly different to what you described as imposter mm. syndrome. Yeah, no, I get it a bit more. So what I would say you're describing is that somebody may or may not have confidence in the fact that whatever the world throws at them, um, whilst they can't control that, um, you know, if you had your imposter under a good level of control, you might say, well, whatever the world throws at me, I personally have um, enough sense of my own knowledge, experience, uh, ability to adapt and be flexible, that I will probably be okay. Um, and I think that's, I think it's a slightly different, to me that, that it's more around self-esteem um, and a, a general sense of your own resilience which I think is a little bit different to imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome will be more, more around the things that you can control. Um, so if we take this back to a physio context, um, I would say imposter syndrome is more around the fact that um, yeah, I have this skill set. I don't know what patient is going to come in next, but I will bluff my way through it, which you know, a positive spin on that might be, you know, I'm really skilled. I know that I can be flexible and adapt to whatever comes in and I'll be fine. As opposed to, I'll keep bluffing my way through, but there will be a patient one day that I just completely, you know, fluff up on. Uh, it will all go wrong. I'll be exposed. I'll be a court case. It'll be a disaster. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose there is some overlap. Um, but actually, also just going back to your point of how you came onto this show today, so if I was to be really tricksy with you, I could play with that and say, well, all right, Jack, if you say, well, I didn't prepare, I came on last minute, I hadn't checked my tech, so if it went wrong, it's not really my fault um, because I didn't try. 
so that feeds into that you know as long as i look I'm, like i'm just kind of winging it and getting by on by flying by the seat of my pants then that's okay whereas you could you could take the view that yes you know i've covered everything i can i'm going to prepare um if it went wrong it was the tech problem i, I don't know there's just a slight sense of um as long as i look like i didn't try too hard then it's okay if it goes wrong yeah yeah i think that's fair enough i think there's layers to it though isn't there so let's just use that as an example because there's no need for me to defend that because that's true you know there, there is something to that in terms of my style as well never mind the tech right if there is something quite teflon about my ability to go what do i know and mm. you know i'm just getting these experts on and so i'm, I'm kind of able to do that there's, there's something very genuine to me saying that though is that i'm such a generalist compared to the specialist i speak to that, that, that i'm not just acting that however there is something to be said for the fact that when i'm wrong i can hold my hands up fairly easily but the, the, there is a massive amount of infrastructure and brand work and, and learning that I've done over the years that mean that I'm in a situation to team myself up for it. So on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, I'm coming across as if I'm winging it, but that's purely as a means of poor time management for me to swan in here 30 seconds to go. By the way, Joe did that to me last month, so let's, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that that's always one-way traffic. Um, but, you know, the, the, those, that, that layers I'm on about is that there's this sort of scene set of... of my expertise, right? My, my my genuine uniqueness that comes from me being able to, to create what I've created. And then because of that, I am flying by the seat of my pants quite often. Like that, that is happening. I don't think that's necessarily for me to necessarily put a show on um, in order to say, um, you know, so if therefore something goes wrong, I can, I can, I can therefore uh, attribute it to other things. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing with what, what is motivating our utterances, what is motivating our behaviour. Is it uncomfortable for us to say, I've worked really hard on this, 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 this and this? Like, to some degree, I think, I think it is. Um, and I think that the balance for me is trying to understand what, what, is, what is okay to, um, to, to, to share and to be proud of, but also then but I, I'd hate to under-attribute things to good fortune, to good mentorship, to a good team, to, you know, the, the, the classic footballer interview after every game, where they just won't, you know, they've scored 17 goals, basically dragged the team up by the scruff of their neck and been the only player playing well on that side. The first thing they say is great team performance, right? It's just this, this constant sense of a societal need for humility. Mm. We've talked a bit about that being sometimes a bit false. However, I think there is something to be said for making sure that you get the balance right between acknowledging and attributing the stuff that you've contributed, but also then making sure you you you, re you appropriately reference and credit those that have supported yeah. you and, and helped you to do it. And I think the, the, the danger is if you're someone that constantly underplays, then you can never satisfy yourself. So there's this kind of overachievement um, tendency, which is quite strong in healthcare. So it would play out that now, you do a course and you get a qualification. If your immediate response is, well, if I got it, then it must be not worth very much because you know, if I got it, then the, the only way to go from that is to do the next course. And of course, it won't get any better. So there is, you know, rather than just celebrating your wins because, you know, we live in an age where it's okay to shout about it and let's all be like celebrities and splash everything all over social media. I think it's the other side is to guard against that continual 
searching and striving and just pushing yourself possibly to the point of burnout because you can never actually just accept and own that you're okay and you're successful and you're pretty proficient. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's, I can so see that and I can so, I, I, I hate it. Do you, um, I hate it when I encounter it in otherwise brilliant people on this show, in prep for this show, on our colleagues ahead of Therapy Live, the persuasion that we sometimes have to make for genuinely incredible people to say, do you mind sharing that? And they say, oh, oh me, are you sure? And they've been very genuine with that. And it, it pains me. I really don't like it because I'm just like, God, I just wish you could just exist in the world knowing how brilliant you are. I wish you could see yourself through the eyes I see but I struggle to apply that to myself in part because I have a productivity drive that's attempting to, you know, part of what allows me to motivate me is something that is a striving to the nebulous concept of potential, fulfilling potential. And so I'm always trying to do that. And therefore I can't always apply the same rules to myself on that in part because I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about, um, about what we've talked about on this show and you've challenged me on before is it's this sense of perception that you don't want to come across as arrogant but also that, that i worry about might that have been the fuel in that fire you know what what happens if you extinguish that what if i did sort of rest on my laurels and go look over said little mini digital empire and think oh yeah i'm quite pleased with that and i did that you know to then realize that that, that stopped us kicking on to, to the next stage. You know, I think that that, that uh, paranoia is as much of it. Is that all part of what, what you and Margaret have discussed and, and considered to be still amongst the, the concept of imposter syndrome? I think it's it probably part of the same thing. And um, you, know, you might say, Jack, that you're on a different end of the scale in that uh, you partly it's just drive for better that keeps you going. And I, and I totally um, relate to that thing of fulfilling your potential. There seems to my whole life I've had people telling me that there is this potential and therefore the subtext is keep going until you fulfill it. Um, is it your imposter that won't ever accept that you have fulfilled that potential? Or is it that potential isn't something that can ever be described as a distinct endpoint? So you're just going to keep going. Um, but I think um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. So if we take people at the other end, so yeah, let's take people go, coming on this show, for example, and, and I've had a few conversations and there are a few people that have commented here that I've had conversations with prior to coming on this show. Um, and, you know, I remember the first time I, before I came on, my heart was pounding, I was dry mad, I, you know, I really was nervous about coming on the first time. But the thing is, Feeling like a fraud doesn't mean you are a fraud. And I love Margaret's phrase in that you can just let that sit with you and accept that that voice is always going to be there, but then make a conscious choice about what you do about it. So my view now about coming on this show or writing articles or sharing things publicly is I care so much about wanting to deliver this message that I will choose to accept that that voice is there telling me I'm a bit rubbish and who am I to talk about it and I don't know anything. And I'll just go, yes, okay, fine, you sit there. But my choice today is to ignore that because I want to talk about these things and I want to get out there. So um, I don't think anyone, particularly not Margaret, when she talks about it, would suggest that you squash your imposture or you have any illusions that you're ever going to push it away because it actually serves you pretty well. It's probably the thing that got you where you are now 
and keeps challenging, keeps driving you, but you can choose to have a um, productive relationship with it where you go, okay, yeah, I hear it. You don't want me to make a complete fool of myself and I will keep that in check, but I'm going to do this anyway. Mm, I mean, yeah. she says the statistics yeah. for um, describing these types of imposter syndrome feelings in the normal population are about 70% if you ask them. And in healthcare workers, it's the high 90s. So wow. to be honest, if you don't feel some level of imposter syndrome, then you're definitely in the minority in healthcare. So we're all dealing with it in some way, shape or form. And people can be on everything from you know, the point where it completely paralyzes them and stops them doing what they're capable of. And that is a problem because how many times in healthcare do we see, like you've just described, really brilliant people putting a ceiling on their achievements and how much do our organizations lose out because these brilliant people are not they're getting yeah. over this thing and going for it i think one of the things that speaks to a couple of shows we've done recently both together and then me separately is that if we don't find a way to appropriately redress this the five percent of people that don't have that monkey on the back that imposter uh, mixing my metaphors now aren't i but they're going to run amok and they're going to take advantage they're going to sell you shit you don't need they're going to they're going to take your job and they don't deserve it yeah take the and job you like, should have had yeah, it's just like, so annoying and i think that that's the thing and, and you know on your show recently you you really appropriately challenged me on some of the accusations that i make regarding cowboys or charlatans and 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 i've reflected hard on that and i think that that's because I, I recognize that statistically, and it's supported here by the data, but also my read of it is that unfortunately they are they are able to run amok in our industry more than they might do in Citibank, right? It's just it's just the nature of the fact that they they they, they encounter uh, more more combat there. Whereas unfortunately, there's some people that are otherwise doing brilliant things that don't recognize their own achievements because of imposter syndrome that mean that they can sometimes get taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's that's a massive irritant. What do you think are the best sort of top tips that Margaret was able to give? And we're going to bring the chat up in a section. So mm, please do call. those that are commenting, please do continue to. We're going to bring that in in a second. My last question for you, though, Joe, before we go to that is what do you feel with the, with the enlightening top tips that she gave with regards to how to how to actually re address that? Well, some of them we've talked about already, the personal ones. So, yeah, develop a um, compassionate and understanding and tolerant relationship with your imposter. Accept it, that it's there, accept that it got you where you are today, um, but do exercise choice about what you choose to act on, how much you choose to believe it, and what you choose to sometimes ignore and, and ride over. But from an organizational point of view, um, and so this feeds into the EDI stuff, removing barriers to success um, and also trying to foster organizations where there's tolerance for difference and also tolerance for failure. So mm. we've talked many times on the show about the, the tendencies towards perfectionism in healthcare professionals. So you, you're less likely to have a problem with people, you know, just not putting the work in and not trying to be good enough, you're going to have more of this problem of people holding themselves back. So um, I think creating more open conversation around how people actually feel about their work, um, allowing these kind of discussions to happen in clinics and in departments, but also, you know, I think as leaders, 
allowing people just have a go at stuff, accepting that it may not be perfect and it might go wrong. Um, and like I say, having, having environments that tolerate failure. And then lastly, this feeds into something you talk about a lot, is our ability to debate. So let's stop trying to be one person right, one person be wrong. Let's be more curious about that middle ground mm. of, you know, we're, we're a bit right and we're a bit wrong. And, and if you don't know something, you go, oh, that's really interesting. Um, I think you probably know more about this particular field than I do. Can you tell me about that? As opposed to, oh, gosh, you sound really intelligent. So I'm going to clam up and not say anything and not get involved in the debate. This is this is some there's some lovely comments and one of them that speaks directly to that and this is the stink physio so it'd be mm. Leanne who's speaking through her business page here but she said he also thinks it's a bit of a filter I think that's a really interesting point is that sometimes that can be for good or for ill but in this instance what you've just described there is potentially the ability to see to recognize and be comfortable within your own filter so if you're in that discussion with someone that you might find yourself disagreeing with the ability to say you seem to know more about this than me but but I know what I know and I'm going to bring that forward and yeah. I'm going to, try and channel this topic i'm also going to move it through my filter mm. and that's all right as well it's not as if you know the fact that this this needs to always be this hierarchy there is something to be said for what you bring and how you're seeing it and how you're seeing that topic regardless of whether or not they know more about it than you you know what you know and you can apply that uh, especially uh, with regards to the versatility of skill set that, that our audience yeah. has or as pragmatists as, as creative thinkers as to solving problems I think it's, it's stupid if people cap their abilities um, based on that. With um, a comment here, which I loved, which was one of the first ones from Alistair Beverly. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Ali's, Ali's recognizing himself in that. And, uh, and and rest assured, Ali, you're one of the people that I was speaking about when I was thinking just who, who uh, whose name should be in lights and who should recognize their own brilliance. So please do take that, mate, because um, you definitely shouldn't have the imposter syndrome if that is ever holding you back. Even similarly, someone like Katie Napton, this cracks me up. You know, someone like Katie should should be able to lean into her incredible skill set. Now, I'm going to be a bit cruel here, Joe, and 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 uh, and say, is it something to be said for the fact that it's an easier thing to do once you're sort of worldly wise, a bit older, um, because of the fact that you're sort of more established? Is something more content with regards to it? I mean, so I hear. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit mean. That's why I said it's naughty. But do you think there's something to be said for that, or is it actually uh, absolutely actually there is? Yeah, the, these grey hairs count for something. Um, there is no way at your age, Jack, that I would have been on this show as a guest, or heaven forbid, a host of anything. Um, yeah, I've spent a lot of my career working very hard, not talking about it. Probably, let's say, being an excellent clinician, but not owning that. And yeah, there is definitely something with experience that I think you just think, gosh, I'm tired of feeling like this. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be serving anyone. And actually, when I do share stuff and when I do push my comfort zone, the world doesn't end. It's fine. Um, yeah, I, I would say absolutely. With a little bit of experience and a little bit of challenging yourself and going into places that feel a bit scary and then actually it all turns out OK. Yeah, hugely. That, that's where growth occurs. Mm, oh, that's interesting. Liz has said that she suffers with it constantly, especially she came to the profession quite late and it being her second career, mm. um, maybe something that's striving to, 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 to get ahead, feeling, feeling behind. Um, I mean, again, Liz, this is one of the interesting things with someone like her. Yeah. I mean, it just seems a funny one because 
how much of that would I want to take off? I'd, ha I'd hate for her to feel like she'd be, be putting too much on herself there. But similarly, her her drive and the, what she's achieving and, and her messaging and how inspirational she is, it'd be a shame if any of that got taken, the edge was taken off that if she didn't have some imposter syndrome. So it can be a positive force in some ways there. Yeah, but equally from what I've seen of Liz, you know, that you just want to say, forget all of that. You know, it doesn't matter. Get on with what you're saying. It's brilliant. But yeah such a common problem <laughs> well Liz, I mean, Liz if you'll come on tune it over to discuss this a bit further I'd love to sort of offer this correlation for those that don't know Liz Bailey was uh, on Physio Matters recently doing a, a podcast on dance she's ex-professional dancer yeah then sports therapist now physiotherapist um Liz I'd love to sort of talk about sort of how that might correlate with stage fright I doubt that once she's on stage and the show must go on and she's performing at her very best I imagine that that imposter sort of leaves her alone at least for a bit so please Liz if you fancy it then we'd love there was it. a good comment from Evie I'd only read part of it because I was talking but it was about luck um oh yeah brilliant I'm sorry Evie I, I didn't spot that what if your success it really is due to luck and the guidance and support of others? <laughs> so she feels that that's what happened to her. She doesn't feel she's got imposter syndrome, but she just feels that fundamentally that that is an accurate analysis of her circumstances. So Evie, I wonder if you know that phrase that luck is when preparation meets opportunity, um, which is what I was saying earlier. And maybe Evie, you just are really well prepared. And when luck comes along, you're able to take it. Mm. It's interesting because I've got um, tomorrow on chewing it over. I've got Mike Stewart, who's one of my original, he's my original clinical lead mentor boss, and um, the fortune that comes from that. And we might tell that story tomorrow. But I've been telling people recently as that they're asking me, "How did you do this?" or "What would you recommend?" and stuff. And I try and take as many of those calls as I can fit in. And I always tell this story about the just incredible fortune I've had in just geographical sense of of, of meeting someone like Mike and taking that opportunity. But when I proposed that to Mike over the years, he said, yeah, but think how many band fives I've had over the years. And you, you, you took that opportunity. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. And so me and Mike might get stuck into that tomorrow. Mike might just talk about communication and pain because that's his uh, whole uh, modus operandi these days. Um, the I've also noticed a comment from Friday's guests. So Darren Finnegan and colleagues are coming on uh, on Friday um onto tune it over so welcome darren he, he said that imposter syndrome cultivates curiosity eagerness to learn isn't and is better than complacency um he's mentioning adam grant book i'm not aware of that as a, as a book but no, I, I think that cultivating curiosity is something i imagine you'd be into Joe. yeah can you be curious without imposter syndrome though mm. well so, but as we're saying some people some people might sometimes it's a useful proxy for, for you to be able to soul search in a sense right that might be the motivation to look inwards without mm -hmm. it sometimes people might not necessarily be curious to study themselves yeah i mean darren you're not here to defend yourself but i would possibly say that for me imposter syndrome sometimes holds me back from being curious um uh, okay. that you need to be truly curious you've got to have a sense of freedom and, and openness to what you're going to find as opposed to imposter syndrome which almost protecting yourself from harm that cracks me up so darren's going to end up taking up some of his own show on friday doing a response to this if we're not careful so let, let's not get sucked too far into this uh, many thanks to those that have comment we're in overtime now so i'm going to wrap this up but thanks so much for the participation guys in the chat and function it's uh, it's absolutely brilliant i also want to just finish finish with a flourish um and my friend leanne 
that said consistency though, Jack, and she was sort of psyching me up to say that me being here every day, the action is pivotal. So she was giving me the, the classic Leanne pep talk to say, don't talk yourself down, Chew. Thank you for what you're doing. And so I'll take that, Leanne, and I'll finish with that <laughs> so that I don't uh, neg on myself. But yeah, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Please keep your comments coming. Uh, we will look at those. They will inform future shows, including Wellbeing Wednesdays, first Wednesday of every month, me and Joe get together. But to be honest, if, if there's enough comments, enough hunger for it, me and Joe will jump on the show anytime. So <laughs> we don't need to wait a month. If you guys want more of this, then let us know. Please tune into You Matter, which is out on Sunday, I believe. Yes, and if you haven't Sunday. subscribed already, that's on the Physio Matters Podcast Network, Joe Turner's new show about coaching self-care and being the best self, your best self within healthcare. And uh, also visit mehab.co.uk, which is Joe's new website, which is out now. And so please go and check that out um, and uh, follow her work because it's good stuff, of course. We won't be working with her otherwise. You've got to trust us on this. <laughs> all right. Anything else to finish on, Joe? We're five Thank minutes you. over time. Covered it all. Thanks, Jack. Nice one. Take care. Bye. Quick, click the buttons. Where have they gone? Where's my video? <laughs>